0: This is Armand Demel with you with the positive mind. Here on WBAI 99.5 FM on your dial in New York City, bringing you ideas, concepts, guests to help you lead a more positively minded life. Today I want to continue with my thoughts about emotions and how we're talking about feelings. Remember, yesterday, if you haven't heard the program, you could always go into the archives to hear it. I talked about feelings, and I talked about identifying feelings and making yourself not have to separate what exact feeling you're feeling, because most people think they have to feel one thing or another. But it's a mixture of feelings. You can be sad, mad, glad, bad, and scared. Now, these are just words that rhyme to make it easy. If you haven't done it, you write, write it down. Sad, mad, glad, bad, or scared. These five experiences, do I feel sad, do I feel mad, do I feel glad, do I feel bad, or do I feel scared? If you, if you ask yourself the question, you could identify each one of those in some percentage. There was one I left out. The one I left out, I can't get to rhyme. Somebody's going to have to tell me how to fit it in with this AD ending. Numb. I feel numb. You know that's another thing that people do I don't feel. You know I have no feeling at all. Maybe that's a form of mad uh maybe that's a form of bad. Maybe that's a form of scared but numb is the sixth of the feelings that are easy to identify. When I say feelings I mean you could feel them in your body you could feel them not just th- think about them. So today, I want to focus on one of these and teach you what I can about how to work with one particular percentage or one feeling, and the one we're going to talk about today is fear. Because fear is is the easiest one to work with. You figure the following. It all starts off in the nervous brain. Once you're nervous, once you're anxious... Once you feel this agitation in your mind, the mind says something. It says once, the minute that you feel anxiety, the mind says, hey, we're nervous, therefore there must be danger. See, any animal in nature that would feel this kind of agitation, if you were a deer drinking water, you would feel yourself nervous because you, would, you might think there's a lion nearby. So it's really a sense of nervousness that leads to a sense of where's the danger. Now, it makes all the sense in the world that if you're nervous, you ask where's the danger. Let's say you're nervous about uh, going on a date. You're going on a date and somebody's coming over and you don't know why, but suddenly you feel anxious. Now you're feeling anxious and you ask yourself a whole bunch of questions How do I look? How do I seem? What shall I wear? What shall I say? All of these are where is the danger? How is it dangerous? What's, what's wrong? What, what if the person doesn't approve of me? What if they don't like me? What if they are disapproving? Now, what is all that about? Because when you feel anxious, the first thing is you want to feel secure. Everybody who is anxious wants to find some kind of security somewhere. We feel like we don't have security. We approach life as if it's a battle for survival. We we see everyone, at least on a subtle level, as a potential enemy. We may often feel and react to even the smallest change or decisions as if our lives are threatened. Could avoid taking risks, even if that means giving up success. You know, if you feel threatened, you might not go out on that job interview. We may avoid confrontation, even if it's necessary. Maybe we walk around expecting the next disaster. You can recognize wanting security because it may include a sense of being threatened, uneasy, in danger, or on guard. It's like a paralyzing fear. Synonyms for wanting security include wanting safety, wanting to survive, to defend, to protect yourself, just to name a few. Now, with this wanting security, right, get this now, so we have anxiety, and we have anxiety, and we feel in danger, and the next thing we do is we want security. Well, this relates to one other thing that humans rarely talk about, which is wanting to die. Yep, humans have a desire to die. Freud called it thanatos. He said, he said you know, that, that there's a love of death that people have. And, and of course, nobody wanted him to talk about it. It's a built-in opposing force to wanting security or survival. When we want to die, we feel as though life is too much. We're afraid of living, so we want to get it over with. You hear so many people talking about that, especially when they're anxious. I wish I could die. I wish I could get it. It's almost like I just want the end of it. Children do that. We're afraid of living, so we want to get it over with. We approach life like it's a minefield. We've become our own worst enemies. As with wanting survival, we often feel and react to even the smallest changes or decisions as if our lives are threatened. We overreact. We walk around because there's two pieces of us always at work. One piece of us is wanting to live freely, and the other piece of us is wanting it to be over, wanting to die. How many times have you felt that way? Do you ever feel that way after the breakup of a relationship? Oh, my gosh. When you break up a relationship, of course, there's going to be wanting security. You want that old relationship. And another part of you just wishes you could close your eyes and never come back. This is Armand DeMille with you with the, with the positive mind. So wanting to die, I mean, how could this be positive mind stuff? Well, we're going to expose it because if you expose it and you have this on the table, you don't have to fear it. Wanting to die include wanting danger, wanting to expose yourself, wanting to be attacked, wanting to be threatened, people who put themselves in risk situations. You often wonder about, I have, I have one man I know who does a racing car and uh, he races cars and he, he likes to go 210 miles an hour in the fastest of cars around a circuit. So one day I spoke to him and he said, Armand, Armand. He said, you won't believe what happened. He said, I blew out my front tire. And this is going at, uh, I think it was 180 miles an hour. And he said, and the car was spinning and spinning and spinning. He said, and it was just like you didn't know. It would hit a rail, and then it hit another rail, and then it hit another rail. And knowing this man, I said to him, Hey, Sam, that must have been great. He said it was the best thing I ever felt. So what was the thrill? The thrill was, he was so close to death... And he was, in some way, in the experience of it. So one of the things that we have to do when trying to deal with anxiety is two things to be conscious. One thing to be conscious of is to release the need for security. And the other is to release the desire to die. This is Armand DeBille with you with The Positive Mind Chipper this morning here on a a Wednesday morning here in this nice cold winter. But it's true. So wanting it to be over in any way is what we have to deal with. Wanting it to not feel the nervousness, wanting not to feel nervous, not even want to feel anxious, wanting it to go away, wanting not to be jittery, right? All of that you could understand. So it is from that that your jittery mind Takes you into thinking. So thinking is a behavior and thinking is something that people do when they are trying to get out of being nervous. Thinking, when you have anxiety, turns into fear. Fear is an acronym. Fear. F-E-A-R. It stands for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. You think about that. Fear can prevent us from doing what we like or need to do, because it's all about what if. Fear stops us from letting go of our problems, since we can't predict what will happen when we drop our guard. Even when fear appears to have a foundation in reality, it's usually blown way out of proportion to the actual risk. So it's clear that anything that could help us let go of fear might easily make tremendous difference in our lives so what's the secret behind letting go of fear well there's a problem with letting go of fear it may surprise you on some level we subconsciously want or expect something we're afraid to to happen so this goes back to the the thing about death not consciously but some kind subconsciously means out of your consciousness once we could welcome this we could release it once we identify that there's a piece of us that wants something bad to happen. Oh, how what a silly thing! I mean, the idea may be hard to believe, but think about it. Why would I want to have a disease? I'm afraid I'm going to get a disease. The people who are afraid that they're going to get a disease, on some level, want to get a disease. What for? What if I went? Uh, what if I was audited by the IRS? Well, consider it. When we see ourselves, when we see something in the world that we don't like, we hope it doesn't happen to us. We hope it, but by us hoping it, we create a picture of it in our mind. What would be the advantage of being audited? Well, especially if you're somebody who cheats you know, on your taxes. Perhaps there's a part of you that wants to become an honest person. Maybe there's another side of you throughout. Maybe if you are being um, sexually promiscuous, there's a piece of you that wants to catch a disease, that wants a consequence. So it, it almost invariably, there are two sides in your brain somewhere. So when you have fear of something, it usually means there's another part of you that's at battle, that your mind is going to a thing. Now, the, the trouble is, you say, I don't want this to happen to me, But on another level, you do want it to happen to you and you keep creating this picture in your mind. So it just simply means that all of this thinking about it is silly. One way or another, thinking about what's going to hit you, what's not going to hit you, how do you have fear, don't have fear, it all goes back to this thing about security and death. Your mind is anxious. Your brain gets anxious. Once you get nervous, the jitteriness goes off. By the way, we are going to take your calls specifically related to this. Before we move on, two one two nine five seven two seven two nine two one two nine five seven two seven two nine. We'll start taking your calls early today. So once you start going this way, once your mind starts going, it's hard to let it go. It's very hard. If you could say to yourself, I hope I don't get cancer like my father, you have the picture of cancer in your mind. It's not that you shouldn't think about it. You do think about it. You know, it's in your mind, but these are just thoughts, just thoughts. And the thoughts come from a nervous feeling. And what we're talking about is how to try to release fear. And one of the ways that you release fear is you recognize that these are just thoughts, and the thoughts are coming from opposing forces in your mind. Let's take Lara. Lara, you're on the phone. This is Armand DeMille. Hi there. How are you?
1: Hi. Oh, wow. Okay, that was fast. Um, I constantly have a fear of something happening to me and or my husband, and then my children will be left vulnerable and uncared for.
0: So are you saying to me, Laura, that before you were married and had children, you didn't have these fears as a child?
1: No, I did not.
0: So it all happened as you became a mother.
1: Right. So because you- I don't have a very supportive family, um, and most of my family is far away, so it's kind of just us.
0: Where are they, Laura?
1: Um, overseas, some in Europe, some in Israel, kind of all over the place.
0: And you have a feeling that you would be isolated, that your children would be isolated and left alone. Did you ever wonder what would happen to you if anything happened to your family?
1: Um, I think I'd be the same as I am now.
0: <laughs> so Because I don't
1: see them that much. You don't so. see them.
0: Do you miss them at all?
1: Um, Yeah. But we're not the closest in the world.
0: Yeah, what, what is it that separates you from being close to your family, Laura? Oh,
1: goodness. <laughs> that's right. That's a whole other show.
0: <laughs> but you see, Laura, that's why you called. Well,
1: I don't know because, I I, I mean, I think I called because I believe no, really you carry know, this I know. fear my kids. I
0: understand. So I'm helping you, okay? So talk to me about what makes you feel unsafe with your own family.
1: Because they're all crazy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. And yeah. how are they crazy, worrisome?
1: Oh, uh no, they're they're really crazy. I mean,
0: <laughs> tell me, just give me a they, give me an idea.
1: Well, some of them are ha, have been molested in their childhood and just not dealt with any of that. And, and so,
0: what has been what's happened to them? You're talking so about your sisters.
1: They're narcissistic, and you know. Probably bipolar, and think that they're great and wonderful, and they're not. <laughs> and these um, people are your
0: sisters and brothers.
1: I have one, yeah, one sister.
0: One sister, and she's she's out of out she, of town.
1: She's far away, and she never really dealt with any of her, you know, experiences. So she just doesn't have a good handle on. So her she emotions. was molested as a child. No, she wasn't. She
0: wasn't, but others were.
1: Yes. And um, she never really felt any stability. and
0: So you never had a sense of stability either?
1: No, never.
0: See, so now you talk about your sister not having it. You didn't have it. So right. you have a kind of an instability. And the first stability that you felt, the first time that you felt like you arrived home is when you had your children with your husband. Yes. Right? And that's where stability finally came in and then some part of your brain says what if anything would happen right where would that stability for that child those children of mine be right you know and so you're projecting this instability that you have that you never had onto your children right this is the big fear what would happen to them what would happen to any children If the parents got blown away. Well, a lot of
1: children have, you know, stable aunts and uncles and grandparents who are, you know. So
0: you're not having that. I mean, you do have it. You have relatives, except you wouldn't want your kids to go to them. Right. Right? So So They suffer terribly. (laughs) So the part of you that's coming up here is your anxiety is based on the disharmony between you and your own family that you haven't yet dealt with.
2: Yeah,
1: and also the fact that we're so close you know my kids are so used to how much love that they get and you know yeah, they we love so deeply
0: i understand you know that there, there's a uh, and there are certain tribes um polynesian tribes that when when a child is loved that at one point the people in the tribe decide to no longer love this child because they decide that they have to turn the child out to be on their own And they know that by loving it too much and giving it too much security, the child's going to have to face a lot of disappointment later in life on their own, that they're not going to be there. Very often though, when somebody like you feels threatened by not having that kind of stuff in childhood and not having had it for yourself, you overdo it with the kids. Yeah. And there's a reason why you fear what would happen if something happened to you, because in some way, You've kind of made your kids dependent on you.
1: Yeah, I I think that's true.
0: Yeah, and so you have your own question about it. How old are your children?
1: Seven and five.
0: Yeah, it's an early time. You still have a chance to correct this. But one of the ways in order for you to correct this, the way that you're going to have to deal with it is to face your own feelings with your own family. And that's going to take... Uh, take a therapist to do that.
1: Well, I've been in therapy my whole life. I'm, yeah, It doesn't I'm sound like that. it.
0: It doesn't sound like it's had the, uh, had the separation, because if it had that separation, if it pointed you in the right direction, you would have been able to identify that earlier. You well, see? I
1: mean, I know that I have that, you know, lack of stability with my family, and I, and I know that I probably right. make my kids need me more than I should.
0: Right, um, so there's a question. Yeah, why doesn't it cross over? <laughs> Why doesn't it cross over is a question. Why doesn't the knowledge and information cross over to your behaviors? That's a question. And that's a question with a lot of people who uh, learn about themselves. You know? Well, I think you're I mean, a fine human. I think everything is going to be fine. I think your children are going to be wonderful. I think nothing is going to happen to you. I think if anything happened to you, I would personally bring up your children myself.
1: They okay. wouldn't have, you wouldn't have <laughs> to fly them
0: back. I'll, I'll write you a note.
1: I'm going to tell them that.
0: Tell them that. <laughs> Say, go to that guy on the radio. He'll take care of you if anything should ever happen <laughs> to me. Because you sound like a fine human being with a lot of insight, but you must keep in mind as much as possible that there is a piece of you that is overloving and oversecuring.
1: Yes, I know that. I no, know if how, they do cl- I, how do I not overlove? I that's love a question. so much.
0: That's a question you keep in your mind. Keep okay. that in your mind. How do you not overlove? How do you not overprotect?
1: Well, my my daughter has special needs, so she needs me to overprotect you. Otherwise, she'll underst- really get hurt. I
0: understand the argument. I understand it. But I'm sure there are groups that deal with that specifically. You know?
1: yeah. Um,
0: Big okay. words. Okay, well, listen, I have to get going, but if you want to talk Thank more you. about it, Laura, feel free to call me or email Thank me, you. and I'll take you further with it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Armand. Bye-bye. So they're starting off with a simple question, as usual. You start off with something small, two nine five seven two seven two nine. It starts off small, but you see it kind of, you got to lead it in a direction. Hold on, we'll take another call. Hold on. Hi, this is Armand Demille. You're on the air.
3: Hi, Armand.
0: Hi there, Carol.
3: Yes, how are you? Good. How do you think I
0: guess all these names?
3: (laughs) Because you're Armand.
0: Because I I just guess it. No, Julian writes them down for me real <laughs>
3: fast. But, Armand, is there a topic that you dis- that you discuss each week that I am, don't feel that relates to me?
0: <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, no, I can't pick one that doesn't relate to you because you, Carol, are related to everything because I speak to you almost every week.
3: Yes. Yes. And, Armand, you know, it's just this morning I was saying to someone that I need to... First of all, I've known fear all my life. It's like a constant companion. And and death, too, I sometimes feel that.
0: Did you ever get the feeling that wishing to die, Carol?
3: All the time, Arman, Isn't that i Isn't something? That
0: Nobody ever I, talks about it.
3: I always feel that I'm not... I cannot cope with sure. what's happening in the world. And I was saying to myself this morning that I need to find a way to to so, um, not feel that I'm responsible for everybody's problems because I feel, I, I always feel so anxious. I always feel that I'm, I wasn't made to live in the world that, as it is. I feel like I want to die, Armand. I feel that I'm not able to cope with the way the world is. And I don't want to die, but I don't know how to live in the world at the same time.
0: Beautiful, Carol, beautiful. Now you join the club of so many people who feel the same way. You'd be amazed how many people feel that way. Amazed! This is the secret of the inside heart. How brave of you to say it! Absolutely. You know you're not alone in that.
3: Thank if we you. Had, well, how do you deal with it? How do you cope? I um, mean, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm so anxious. I yeah, because work, you feel, sleep.
0: and you feel so alone, right? Yes, yes. Yes. And the amazing thing is that you're not alone. The amazing okay. thing is that there are so many people who feel just that way, who wake in the middle of the night and they feel terrified. But here's the secret behind it, Carol. Mm-hmm. It's it starts off with a feeling. It starts off with a sensation. The sensation is this anxiety that you feel. Now you feel this anxiety, and you have this thing running around inside of you, and when it's happening inside of you, that gets you to the thought. So the first thing we know is we have this nervous feeling. Yes. What I need you to do when you lay in bed, when you wake up in the middle of the night with the nervous feeling, is not to believe a single thing you think. Don't think anything. Mm-hmm. Just say I'm nervous. Now, here's the best thing you could do: shiver. This sounds like a Jewish thing. You're sitting shiver? No, no, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Shiver. You let your whole body shiver, and mm-hmm. this is—it's easy to do nowadays because it's cold outside. Right. If you let yourself shiver, if you let yourself tremble on purpose, on purpose, it will actually reduce the amount of energy that is getting that is being brought up in the amygdala. And it's a mm-hmm. funny thing just by shivering. You could do that if you shiver for like one minute and then you relax. Mm-hmm. You'll find your brain relaxes a little bit. Now, this is not a cure. But the part of it that is curative is that you don't have to believe your thoughts. So that's on one piece of it. So one piece of it is to understand. Being nervous comes first. Then comes the thoughts. So now okay. we eliminate the thoughts. We take that out by you doing the shivering, number one. <laughs> and number two, we validate the fact that it absolutely makes all the sense in the world that you wouldn't want to live this way. Who wants to live like this sitting on top of an electric cord?
3: Right. You
0: know, who would want to? But we all do. We all do. We're all. Yeah,
3: okay. And so it really got better, Armand?
0: Oh, Carol, you're such a beautiful being. Will
3: really it get better?
0: Yes, it will get better. You will get better you in fact, you better call me on Tuesday and tell me how our experiment went
3: because I know you know I know fair, false evidence appearing real. I know all of that.
0: yes are you uh, so you're mostly alone most of the time, right Carol Yes,
3: yeah. yes. And you know I'm good at giving people advice, but there's no one to talk to when I need it. Only you, Armand.
0: Yeah, only me. And you know, there's there's one other human I would think about you talking to. His name is Alan White. Mm Mhm. Alan White. If you look at my website, you'll see a man called Alan White. I want you to think about. I want you to look at. Is it W H I T E? Yep. 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 Okay. On my website, thepositivemind.com. He's a man that's worth talking to, especially for someone exactly like Carol.
3: Okay,
0: Armand. Thank you for calling in, Carol. I love you.
3: Thank you. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. Okay, bye. You know, now there's a funny thing about Carol. She talks about how everything in some way touches her. But doesn't it all touch you all? I mean, that's that's the idea of it. So letting go of fear and anxieties is once we start the thoughts in action, once we get those thoughts going, It makes us believe that they are real, but they're not real. They're just thoughts. One second, here we go. And they're just thoughts. Now, if you try to reverse the intention, if you try to tell yourself, like a lot of people do, a lot of people say, well, it's not real. And then they go into battle with themselves. They try to battle with themselves about imaging, and they say this image is true, this image is not true. It's something to be afraid of, not to be afraid of. They try their very, very best, and it's very hard to do it. It's very hard to uh, to confirm whether something is real or not. Oh, I wonder if we could do this, Julian. Hold on a second. Hi, Bob. You're on the air. This is Armand DeMille. Hi, Armand. Uh, good
2: to talk to you. Yes. Um I wanted to find out um, if there's a relationship between uh, my grandmother was always nervous, anxious, my mom was always anxious, worrying about everything, every little thing can that, is that transferable? I mean...
0: Yes, of course.
2: Because if, if you think you know, about it... Genetic.
0: Well, as much, it might also be genetic because there is a certain number of people who were born to worry. Why would I say that? I would say about fifteen percent of the population is born to be the gatekeepers for the tribe. And they're meant to be on the outside of the tribe looking to see what dangers are possible for the tribe. Well, there's another group who are the hunters, another group who are the gatherers, another group who are the cooks, another group who are the artists. Mm -hmm. So I believe there is some possible genetic makeup that leads to you've got to be the gatekeeper. But also, if you think about what it is to be your grandmother and your mother being nervous, it means they are always saying you're not safe. Now, if you're a child growing up with two adults who are saying it's not safe here in the world, of course you're not going to feel safe.
2: Right. But I didn't grow up, well, at at some point my father died when I was six.
0: Well, that didn't that didn't help you with your feeling of safety, did it?
2: No, not at all, because my mom became overly protective. Right. So I was always, I think she was always fearful of something happening to me.
0: And that gets translated to you, and therefore you have the same feelings about yourself.
2: Right. Did right. you ever
0: find a relationship? Did you ever have a child yourself?
2: No, no, I That's haven't. usually
0: what happens. So what usually happens with men like you is they decide not to have children, you know? And it's, a, it's a strange, unconscious decision.
2: I see, okay.
0: Bob, I'm going to have to go. We have okay. to be taking our break, but thank you. Thank no you for problem. your call. Thank I'll be you. back with you, right?
2: Okay, Bye. This,
0: this is Armand DeMille with you with The Positive Mind. We're going to take a uh, short break and see if there's anything we could do to uh, get a little more clear of this emotional... Stuff. We'll be back with you in a couple of minutes. Two, one, two, three, four.
4: I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all the obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's gonna be a bright, sunshiny day. It's going to be a bright sunshiny day. I think I can make it now. The pain is gone. All of Day. It's gonna be a bright, sunshiny day Look all around, there are nothing but blue skies Look up ahead, there are nothing but blue skies See clearly now The rain is gone I can see all The obstacles In my way Gone are the dark clouds That hid me by It's gonna be a bright Sunshine day going to be a bright, sunshiny day. Oh, it's going to be a bright, sunshiny day. Yeah, it's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day.
0: Simone Dinnerstein or Dinnerstein, S-T-E-I-N. I can see clearly now. Perfect, isn't it? Beautiful. Uh, this is Armand DeMille with you with The Positive Mind here in WBAI. We're talking about emotions and processing emotions, and we're starting off with this one about being scared, fear. And we've been talking about fears and how fears can cripple you in so many ways and what you could possibly do about it. And we have on the phone with us the very tolerant Cynthia. Hi, Cynthia, you're on the air. This is Armand Mill.
5: Hi, Armand. Hi there. Does the sweating and the clamminess ever stop? That Sh- goes on with the anxiety and the
0: fear? Well, tell me what's wrong with the... Su- can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Okay, I think you're just moving a little away from the uh, telephone. Okay. I can barely hear you. The sweating and the clamminess that goes along with the anxiety? Yes. Okay, now every- wh- when do you feel that? Do you feel that all the time? All the time. Okay, so you're nervous right now. Yes. And could you t- describe it to me the way you experience it?
5: It's like it curses right through
0: my entire body. My so you're mind. trembling, right, all over? Do you feel the tremble in your body? Yes. All right. Where do you feel it? Describe it to me physically.
5: Around my chest.
0: Uh-huh.
5: Um, uh, my hands uh-huh. shake at times. I have to consciously, like, will it not to shake so I won't be embarrassed.
0: Um, and are you seated now or are you standing up? Okay, you're seated. So here's what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, all right? Is is your telephone a speakerphone? Do you have a speakerphone on your phone? No, no. Is this a handheld phone? Is this a a regular telephone, or is it a a cell phone?
5: No, it's a regular phone. It's handheld.
0: Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to have the phone. For a minute, I'm going to ask you to just put it. Oh, you can't hear me. Uh, How do I do this so that you can hear me? Okay, let me give you the instruction first. Then you'll do that. Okay, and you'll put the phone down and do that, and then you'll come back to me. Here's the instruction I want you to do. This is going to sound ridiculous, but give it a try. I'm going to ask you to make your hands tremble as much as possible. In other words, I'm going to ask you to shake them, not just make them tremble. Then I'm going to ask you to shake your feet, too. And I want want you to shake him, and I want you to move your head from side to side as fast as he can. And then I want you to make a sound underneath that, a sound like like that. You got it? So that one that carries your face muscles with it. Ready? Get set. Okay, put the phone down. We're going to do this now for 20 seconds. Okay. All right? Put the phone down and do it. Here we go. We're listening. I'm waiting for the sound. Well, that's perfect. You know what I need you to do? I need you to go back before you say anything. Go back and do it again. But when you make the sound, instead of making it intermittent, I want it to be continuous. So I want the sound to be like like that. Okay? As opposed to just just grunts. Ready? Get set. Go do it now.
2: Here it comes.
0: (laughs) That's great, Cynthia. Now, Cynthia, do you feel something happening to your body now that you've stopped doing that?
5: Well, the pounding around my chest.
0: Okay, and what do you feel now? Just stay with it. Describe the sensation now.
5: My clarity in my eyes is, is more focused.
0: Your eyes are more focused, huh? And yeah. what else? Um, How's your hands, breathing?
5: I'm breathing okay. My hands are beginning to dry. Yeah. But it's
0: still... Still um, there, of course. ready,
5: yeah.
0: So what I'm showing you is that anxiety is a sensation. And it's a sensation that is an excess of oxygen in a certain part of your brain. And it's setting off these signals, and it's asking you, at this time, just do something to burn it off. Now, what you do to burn it off is you worry. But worrying is no different. Physical exercise is even better. Do you happen to get yourself, do you do, you do any running at all?
5: Yeah, I used to.
2: I used Yeah, to.
0: but no. you're not doing it recently, right? No. Okay, so I would say to you, Cynthia, that this would probably be something that would work great for you. Because because don't believe the thoughts that come along with it. Yeah. See, the, I've
5: been like this ever since
0: I was a child. I was, yeah, I hear. Yeah. Well, at some point I might have to take a closer look at it, you know. I'm trying to give you something that we could do on the radio. These are really like cursory things that we might be able to do. But if it's been like this since you've been a child, we have what's called an anxiety disorder, we've got to take a closer look. There's probably stuff underneath there that you just can't get rid of in a five minute phone call. I wish I could. Yeah. I wish I could just I could just take my hands and put it on your forehead and say, Let all this go away. Yeah. You know? I know?
5: Yeah, I know it's more it's more in depth than that.
0: Yeah, I know that. But it's not so far in depth that it's not fixable, so mm-hmm. so stick with it, Cynthia. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Sure. So what I've said to everybody is, you see, you see, we're trying to. I'm trying to describe to you. It's like an engine. It's got this energy, and this energy gets pent up. And after the energy gets pent up, it looks for release. And one of the ways that it looks for release is it does, it does something to either do a behavior, which is you do something. You have this energy, and now you want to do a behavior. So a behavior would be you go swimming, you go jumping, you go bike riding, you have sex, you have. These are all behaviors. Or you do something that's suppressing. You eat, you swallow, you get drunk, you get stoned. Right, that's two, you take medication. Or the third behavior is you think. Now I know thinking doesn't sound like a behavior, but it is a behavior. Now you take your mind and you use your mind actively to try to focus on something. What do you focus on? Instead of focusing on the thought that you could say to yourself, well, I am secure, there is no danger, which is the thing that would work a little better. Instead, what you do is you say, where is the danger? And you focus on where the potential danger is, and that's your thinking. And by thinking about that, it actually burns up the energy a little bit, and you get even more nervous. And now you're so nervous that it kind of eventually just spills over. And now you've exhausted yourself. Now you go to sleep. So there are three ways to deal with it, right? You have The one is behaviors. Telephone number 957-2729, by the way, 212-957-2729. One is suppressing the thought, which is trying to keep it down. And people do that with medication, drugs, alcohol, all the other things that push it down. The other is acting out, which is acting out could mean any number of behaviors or just even exercise could be acting out. And or the other one, which is thinking. No one is more effective than the other. They're all the same. They're all just responding as if it's real. And remember, fear, F-E-A-R, is false evidence appearing real. Hey, let's get Raymond. Raymond, you're on the air. This is Armand de Hi there. How are you, Armand? Good. Uh, Great. Um...
6: I get nervous just talking just because I know my voice is going to be heard. But um, like uh, wait, what wait, I'm afraid, slow about, down. Let's what use I'm this. afraid of his truth.
0: Let's use this for a second, okay? Yeah. You feel nervous even talking on the air because most people do. Right. And you can feel it now, right? Definitely. All right. So hang in here and stay with me. Now, I would like to use this as an example of somebody who could slide into this not needing. So now we're going to go two places. One is, if it's okay with you, Raymond, would you let go of the thought that you'd need my approval?
6: Definitely. That you know what's funny? That's it's gone. I it just the thing is that it's. I don't know if it's criticism that you want to receive, that you know that I'm scared to receive, or just scared to stutter, or scared not to say everything that I want to say. But um, you know what I what I what what my fear is is my fear is truth. Um. Not that I can't deal with it, not that I like knowing too much. You know, like like knowing too much. I don't know if that's caused me to become a conspirator or you know, believe in conspiracy theories, this and the third, or just like, you know um
0: What truth?
6: Uh truths of, of you know, like uh not drinking Coca Cola for example, how bad it really is for you or Okay, uh, let me know, go how, back
0: let me take a step back for you, okay? Go ahead. You mind, Raymond? Because you sound like a brave man. Let's turn okay. into this. Let's jump into this. What was your father's absolute untruth?
6: Untruth? Yeah. Um. I guess I would guess not being the father. I, I really don't know how to answer that question. Okay. I'm guessing not being the father that I, I wanted to have. I guess.
0: Yeah. How did he lie?
6: Well, not lie so much, so just not so much support.
0: That's no all. support for his son.
6: Like, like, like I'm, I'm super, not super intelligent, but you know, I, I, uh, I, I credit him to many, you know, uh, I guess a commonsensical way of thinking, you know, like, like rationalizing, you know. Um.
0: So he had that, right? He was a very rational guy. uh yeah. you know what's funny?
6: It's like. In his own perception, like we all are, like you know, I think that I'm I'm good, and this other person thinks that they they know the best the best answer, and you know, it's all opinions in the end. But um, I feel like I'm in, I'm 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 twisting everything up right now. This yeah, this you're right, you no, very Let me show end.
0: you. Good, 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 great, Raymond, stay with me. <laughs> it's perfect. When you get near the truth, when you get near the mother lobe, this is what happens, and you see it's beginning to happen now. It's just beginning to happen because I took you directly to where the source of it was. There's an insecurity that you were born with, that you lived with. You had a father who was a loving man but did not know how to be a loving father. He didn't know how to be a loving father. He knew how to be a righteous man. He knew how to be a right man. He knew how to tell you things.
6: Well, it goes a little bit deeper because he, he does, you know, like I, he kid, I, whenever I see him, we kiss on the cheek, this and the third, and you know, I, it's a lot of respect, but it's like, it's a distant respect. Like, it's, that's right. like like we're not on the same page. We're, we're, we're here, we're on the same book, in the same book, but we're not on the same page. You know, it's like...
0: Was he on the same page with your mother?
6: Uh, that's another... There's another you know, story, right? Gro- so yeah, they're not on, on
0: the same page you know. with each other and you're not on the same page with him. How does yeah. a young man like Raymond grow up feeling secure? Hmm. With all the words that you were given? And so no, the real question that Raymond would have If I were Raymond is, what is the truth? What What is is the truth? Right. What is the truth? And that's your big question. And that's the one that plagues you the most. That's what you started off with. You said the trouble I have is what is the truth? Truth. Like
6: true knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Like what's the truth? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, why, why is all this hoopla about this, that and the third. And when, when you, when you, when you raise the curtain, completely something different, you know what I mean? Like what's, what's, you know, what's the blockage, I guess, you know?
0: Could you raise the curtain and see what's behind the curtain is really nothing. And could that be okay? That's a tough one, huh?
6: That could be okay, actually. No, because you, like I said, like, like you have to just accept, you know, this person is this, if that person is that way or whatever, whatever. And no, you don't. No.
0: No. You have to accept yourself as being the way you are. That would be best for you. You're a beautiful guy. What lucky people to have found you. Now, you are, do you mean to tell me that you don't have any children yet?
6: I have three sons.
0: That's what I thought. What are they like?
6: Li- uh, Their ages are three, two, and one. And now this is another, like I have a fear of, like this. Check this out. Um, I hope me and my wife I have lucky enough to, I am lucky enough. Uh, but we're having a lot of arguments now. That's another story. But anyway, I am lucky enough to have had, um, the ability to home birth my last two children because I just saw so much, you know, uh, uh, false uh, so much you know
0: not neglect for whatever reason let's say you decided something to wrong in and,
6: and 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 you know I don't want to go the wrong way but like I like holistic things now I, okay I, I so like, now you know, you've got three kids things. your wife I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to you know bring down anybody you know any you know, the medical field or whatever but it's like you know
0: is your wife disagreeing with you about your process of child rearing at this point
6: no, no.
0: you're both in agreement about this
6: about what about about how to up. bring up the like, children yeah. Yeah. We want to, I want to homeschool if possible. You know, um, we already, they're already, you know, so what is it? What is the, you know, what two, is the uh, I'm going to have
0: to ask you quickly, Raymond, what's the disharmony with your wife at this point? <sighs> I. <sighs> you know, what's missing is affection. Yeah.
6: I, I, that's something that I don't really yeah. get so
0: much. How come affection is missing between the two of you when you're a guy who grew up missing that very same affection? And whose parents didn't have that affection with each other? How are we allowing that to happen? We must fix this. I don't care how we fix it, but for the sake of those three kids that you have sitting behind, oh, those, oh,
6: believe me, I, I, I try. That's why I, I, don't want to argue. I don't, I don't like arguing. I leave. I, you know, I try to. I don't get... even
0: know if that's the solution. Let's find out what the solution is. Get somebody in the middle of this family, Raymond. Get somebody in there who could, who could look with different eyes. Get somebody in there. We got three kids. We have... Uh, they're all going to be beautiful anyway because you're a loving dad, but you're going to be so stringent on trying to keep them one way or another that it's probably going to be too pure. Yeah. That's right. That's, uh, Send that's, me an email. Let me write back to you, okay? I will. Thank you so much. Raymond, you're beautiful. Thank you. Have a, have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. How courageous. Yeah, that's what happens after a while. Then... You try to protect your children against the very things that you went through. Nine five seven two seven two nine. Time for one more call. We could take. I think we're gonna get out of here on time today. You know, keeping my promise. Two one two nine five seven two seven zero nine. This is <laughs> here we go. Adriana. Hey, Adriana. Oh, no problem. Hi, Adriana. This is Armand DeMille.
7: Hi. Hi there. Thank you for answering. I'm very excited.
0: You feel the the excitement just being on the phone, right?
7: Yes, absolutely. That's
0: a nice thing. Have you been listening for a long time, WBAI?
7: I recently um, moved to New York from Florida and discovered this channel, and it's the best thing that has happened to me in New York.
0: And where were you before Florida? Were you in Russia?
7: No, I'm Mexican.
0: You're from Mexico, and you went from Mexico to Florida, and you were listening in Florida, and you came up to New York. Are you living in New York now? Yes. Wow, how exciting. How exciting. So tell me. Thank you.
7: Uh, I'm actually calling. I've been trying to call for a while, mainly uh, on behalf of, uh, she will never call, but on behalf of my 14-year-old daughter. And um, What's
0: happening I- with your daughter?
7: She um, eh, she's been in New York now for two years, and the change with the family um, really affected her. And so now I don't know what how to go about it. She is just an unhappy, an unhappy human being every day, and uh, it just seems like nothing we do is working. Mm. Uh, she's very rebellious and very, uh, she's not taking any um, education from anybody and uh, she uses the word um, hate and kill yourself and
0: kill herself too
7: like so often. Oh
0: Adriana, that must hurt you so much.
7: It's very painful.
0: I imagine, I imagine I could hear your heart is just, is just bleeding, you know?
7: And, um...
0: Now, you've talked to her, and you brought her to the attention of, of uh, the schools and the school counselors. They've looked at her, and they have trouble with her, too.
7: Uh, she's okay at school, which that's probably the, her safe zone. She's, she's not at trouble. Um,
0: but, you, you see, I can hear the unhappiness between the two of you. You know, I get but
7: because I was a single mom until she was 12 with her, and we had an amazing, beautiful relationship. And uh, now that I brought her to New York to be close to her father, it's when, when things started. This is a year and a half ago.
0: I can um, hear it right about pubescence, too. It's right about the time she was coming into her sexuality. That's quite a change. Uh, coincidentally, then you're bringing her to see her father at the same time, and she's reacting probably a combination of physically, hormonally, and emotionally as well. Well, maybe it's time to bring her to the attention of somebody who could help her out. You know, at least talk to the two of you once. I've
7: been thinking about it. I don't know how to go about it.
0: Send me an email. Send me an email. I'll locate you. What part of New York are you living in?
7: I live in Park
0: Slope, Brooklyn. Okay, so send me an email. I could find you somebody who who you could talk to. Um, Send me an email with all the information. I'll see what I can find for you.
7: Thank
0: you so much. Okay, Adriana. It'll get better. Okay, thank you. Right. This is Armand Demille with you with The Positive Mind. In the following weeks, we're going to be pressing the phone. Really, In the following weeks, we're going to be going over the other emotions and how you can process them better yourself. Uh, We'll be back with you Tuesday at 1 p.m., my friends. And until then, you can get in touch with me through thepositivemind.com. Or if you want to hear today's show, you can also hear it on WBAI.org. We'll be back with you soon. This is the theme from the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind.